Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. In part one of our tale, Von Schill called a meeting of Malifaux's mercenaries as a response to Governor General Marlowe's plan to ban bounty hunting. On today's episode, we go inside Freikorps headquarters and join some of the city's most successful and disreputable sellswords and hired guns. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of Horizon's End, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by the Brotherhood of the Rat. If you've got a problem with rats, contact the Brotherhood. We work tirelessly to keep Malifaux's legendary swarms of rats at bay. And if you don't have a problem yet, hiring the Brotherhood for protection is the best way to ensure a sack of plague rats doesn't mysteriously appear in your basement. Von Schill surveyed the room. A ragtag collection of Malifaux's most influential miscreants and mercenaries filled the seats of his meeting hall. He still wasn't sure how this was going to work. He could keep his own people orderly enough, but this lot? The only thing they truly had in common was a distrust of authority and a dislike for playing by the rules of others. He noticed Tara approaching and raised an eyebrow. I thought you'd be talking to that man from the Catalan Corps all night. Yes, he was quite chatty. She shrugged. He's talking about a subject that Karina likes, so I passed him off to her. Once he gets over the staring, I'm sure he'll enjoy her company, at least until she starts going on about the abyss and the folly of man. Von Schill chuckled. She turned, putting her back to the same wall as him, and looked out over the assembled crowd. We all heard the announcement. Why do you call us all here? Tara asked. He looked over at her and nodded. Done socializing for the evening. Fair enough. He put his flesh and blood fingers in his mouth and let out a piercing whistle. Silence fell over the room. I'm glad everyone could make it. We have serious business to discuss. I'm sure you all heard the Governor General's most recent Ethervox broadcast. There was a general mumbling in the affirmative and a few curses. Von Schill nodded. I spoke to him recently, and he's serious about enforcing the ban on bounties. He even offered to allow the Freikorps to replace the Guild Guard. There was quite a bit of shock and more mumbling at the announcement, but Von Schill forged ahead. I did not accept, but I wanted everyone to understand the severity of the situation. Both Marlowe and Kitchener thought we were cockroaches, but Kitchener was content to let us be, provided we stay out of sight and avoided causing too much trouble. Marlowe's going to fumigate the whole damn city to get rid of us. A feminine voice spoke up. Does the Freikorps plan to confront the guild directly? It was Vanessa Chambers. If you brought us here to ask for aid on that front, I can pledge the support of myself and my sisters once they return from the Badlands. There seemed to be some general agreement about this. Yeah, here, shouted the man from the Catalan Corps. 
Even if we took the city, Funchal replied, what would we do with it? Your sisters, he sounded a bit skeptical about that, would certainly be a boon in taking the city. But what then? Hold it, Alice shouted. Her clockwork seeker pistol was on the table and she was spinning it in boredom. If we control the city, then we control the soul stones. With that power, we can set our own terms or make them pay to take it back. Ransom the whole city. Von Schill smirked. And what do we do when they just stop sending supplies through the breach? Alice suddenly felt self-conscious about all the people looking at her. We've got farms and stuff. She looked over to Leviticus and caught the ghost of a smile playing across his lips. Her eyes narrowed as he cleared his throat and stared across the room to avoid meeting her gaze. Von Schill continued, addressing the group rather than Alice directly. Yes, we could perhaps feed ourselves for a time. But that means we'll be the ones running the city. There's legal systems, sewer maintenance, pest control. He ticked each point off with his steel fingers. We can take the city, certainly. I know all about taking cities, but running them? Von Schill shrugged. Who knows anything about tax codes? Karina shot her hand into the air and waved it around. Tara silently grabbed her arm and forced her to lower it. All right, then. Vanessa sighed as she leaned forward and aggressively rubbed her temples. What do you propose? Von Schill motioned to Parker. I've spoken to Parker about suitable places for a settlement in the Badlands. Whatever you choose to do, the Freikorps will be moving our operations south. He paused to let that sink in. If the Governor General wants us to be outlaws, then we'll be outlaws. Silence fell over the room as everyone considered the gravity of the situation. After a few moments, Parker shrugged. It's not really such a bad life. A blonde man wearing strange goggles spoke up from the back of the room. You said you didn't know how to run a city, so your backup plan is to build one? How does that make sense? Parker replied this time, cutting Von Schill off. And shut your damn mouth and try to be a team player for once. The sniper just glared at Parker, and when the bandit turned his back, Hans mime taking aim and firing at him with an invisible rifle. Von Schill reached up and rubbed at the side of his head with his good arm. The bickering was already starting. We can't keep Malifaux supplied and operational without access to the breach, but so long as the city remains under guild control, there will be plenty of shipments that we can knock over to help get us started. The man in the Catalan Corps uniform gasped. Resorto mere criminality! Parker kicked his feet up on the table and shrugged. So long as people in the city still have money, there will always be someone that needs a job done, no questions asked. Of course, since that's against the law now, I suppose that counts as resorting to crime. I've never been one to let a few pieces of paper tell me what I can do and what I can't, but you could always go back to working in your par's feed store or whatever if you have a problem with it. Vanessa leaned forward and tapped her fingers against the table. Do you think the guild will just allow us to thrive down there? They'll send a full regiment down south and crush us just to prove a point, particularly if Marlowe is as stubborn as you say. Von Schill shook his head. Now is the right time. The guild is distracted. They've got nations slipping away from them and a host of fishmen to keep them distracted back on Earth. And now they've started to send troops into the quarantine zone. They won't have the resources to strike south. He paused for a moment before continuing. Parker thinks there might be a spot in the brushlands that could work for us. There's enough fresh water there to supply a town the size of Ridley, 
and the terrain is favorable. It's a defensive enough position that we'd have the advantage in a prolonged siege. Besides, the Freikorps is practically an army already, and if we have your support, the Guild won't be able to risk an operation on the scale necessary to wipe us out without leaving themselves woefully exposed to their other enemies. Monchol looked over the crowd. He could see them mulling it over in their minds. To say anything more would only invite more arguing. It was time to let it sit and hash out more details in private. As the night wore on, it was apparent to Leviticus that a number of the mercenaries were coming around to Von Schill's side. It was just a matter of some specifics. He found Hannah, the archivist of the Freikorps, and a talented mage in her own right, finishing up an overly long conversation with the man from the Catalan Corps. As he finished talking at her and wandered away, Leviticus approached her. It sounds like you've thought this move through. She nodded and tried to feign a pleasant smile. We have. Marlowe approached us early, which gave us a chance to prepare. In trying to recruit Von Schill, he gave us a chance to undermine him. Splendid, Leviticus smiled at her. I'm interested in the idea, but I have a few questions. Specifically, what sort of laws will be present in the... Shall we call it a compound? Clearly, you cannot ask all of us to adhere to the code of the Freikorps. No, we didn't expect so, she said, no doubt echoing a previous conversation. We haven't worked out the exact details, but it will be much as you expect. No murdering, no stealing, no assaulting other citizens. His head bobbed. That seems sensible. Other than those items, we'll be free to do as we wish. The archivist's expression turned suspicious. In the interest of avoiding future misunderstandings, it might be best to be more specific with regards to that question. The Vedicus motioned to Alice, who was discussing the fine points of headshots with hands. I assume that the Fly Corps will have a permissive approach towards May-December relationships. Oh, that. She looked relieved as she waved a hand toward Alice. As far as we are concerned, that is your own personal business. We don't want to get involved in that sort of thing. Wonderful, he smiled. Will your policy on the possession of corpses be more lenient than the current draconian measures implemented by the Guild? Hannah frowned, her trepidation returning. I believe the further discussion on the topic is warranted, but there is more likely some sort of arrangement that can be reached, provided the murdered were not members of the settlement. Leviticus nodded. And there are no scientific inquiries that will be forbidden. She stared at Leviticus for a long moment, her eyes narrowing as she tried to work out just what sort of loophole he was intending to exploit. Finally, she sighed. I see no reason to limit the pursuit of knowledge, so long as that pursuit does not endanger the other residents. Should you choose to delve into the darker corners of the world, all that we ask is you don't bring that darkness back with you. Excellent, he smiled at her. I had been hesitant to close my shop, but you have given me a great deal to think about. Thank you for the clarifications. He drifted away leaving Hannah feeling very uncomfortable about the future. Vanessa sat in a corner sipping on rum. She was trying to appear calm, but privately she was upset. If her sister had been here, sisters, she corrected herself, 
she was certain that von Schull would have given them more weight in the discussion. Despite all of her talents, Vanessa still couldn't command the respect that Victoria could. It was frustrating to once again find herself in their shadow. She glanced up and met the eyes of one of the Woku raiders, who then began making his way toward her. She sighed. Parker's banditry had already started to give other mercenaries a bad name, and privately, Vanessa blamed him for getting them into this mess in the first place. She and her sister, sisters, weren't criminals, but everyone seemed to think that somehow they must be friends with Parker. Miss Chambers, the raider said, bowing low. It is a pleasure to meet you. You may call me Tuan. May I join you? It's still a free city, for now anyway. She motioned to a nearby chair and the man seated himself. There is much wisdom in what you said. No matter what we decide, we are merely reacting to the guild. They remain a threat, and once we separate ourselves from them, it will be easier for them to see us as a separate enemy. Vanessa looked more closely at the man. Yes, and I'm worried that's being glossed over. It is better to strike while the iron is hot. Tuan nodded in agreement. If one must strike, what you say is true. Perhaps the iron will never be hotter, but... He lowered his voice. I would ask that you consider a more subtle approach. When forging a blade, the iron must be heated many times. A good blacksmith knows that a sword must be tempered many times before it is ready to draw blood. She took another sip of her rum. Why is Parker backing this so hard anyways? He doesn't seem like the sort of person to give a damn about the guild. I cannot speak for Mr. Barrows. Despite arriving with his crew, we represent other interests. Tuan rolled up his sleeve and turned, allowing her to see the dragon tattooed on his arm. Vanessa's eyebrows went up. Your last blossom? Why isn't your lady here in person? Tuan rolled his sleeve back down. She has other pressing matters and asked that I be her representative. I see. She leaned back in her chair and slowly swirled her drink. So what does she think of all this? He took a moment to consider his response. While my lady supports the action being discussed here, she does not believe that it is time to strike against the guild. When the time is right, however, she will support any action that you and your sisters deem appropriate. Vanessa nodded cautiously. Why tell me this in private? Why not make an announcement to the rest of the room? She used the hand holding her drink to gesture to the other small group scattered through the room. My lady believes in subtlety. She feels a certain affinity for your family, but there are other elements in play that will eventually need to be culled. He gave her a casual shrug. Whatever shall come, it is good to have friends, is it not? She took another sip of her drink, and Tuan took that as a cue to leave. As she watched him go, a faint smirk appeared on her lips. So tell me, when are you going to give up this facade of honest work and come join my gang? Taylor smiled broadly at Parker, who'd seated himself directly across from her. You know me, Barrows. I've been up and down the lines doing all sorts of work. I've already done a stint as a bandit. Hell, I've probably robbed more people than you. Parker adopted an all-too-surprised expression. 
Is that so? Taylor planted her pneumatic hand firmly on the table. You know it is. Why, you can't even begin to imagine the size of the scores I've had in my day. Of course, it's easy come, easy go with stolen goods. Danville fences take the real profit. Taylor scowled and looked around for something to drink. Sounds like maybe you're working with the wrong fences. When a fence tries to take something from me, he learns that I don't mind taking something he values far more from him. Taylor gasped in mock surprise. You'd do that to another man? Parker's laugh rolled out across the room. No, no, I meant his life. He shook his head in disbelief as Taylor began to grin. Well, I can understand how the fearsome Barrows gang might be able to... She paused as Doc Mitchell approached and eyed his bag. Suddenly she jumped up and jabbed a finger hard into his chest, hard enough to make him take a step back. This is a stick-up. You got any drinks in there? Mitchell looked at Parker, who just waved a hand at him. Dejectedly, the doctor reached into his bag and pulled out a bottle of tequila. Taylor grinned and took the bottle, from which he took a long swig. Mitchell lingered for a few moments longer, but when it became clear that she wasn't going to give the bottle back, he just sighed and walked off. Parker took advantage of the distraction to lean forward and lower his voice to a whisper. The way I figure it, we have to do something big to get the guilt attention and let them know that messing with us would be a bad idea. Hit them hard. There's something they can't help but put in the newspaper so everyone knows where to find us. Taylor grinned as she slammed the bottle down between them. This doesn't seem like the sort of thing that Von Schill was talking about earlier. His plan relies on people coming down to Frycor land, or whatever we call it, to hire mercenaries. Only way that works is if people know where to find it. They leaned back and eyed the tequila bottle. What's the one thing we could steal from the guild that nobody would expect someone to take? She raised her hand, waving it defensively in front of her. Nuh-uh. No way. I'm not getting involved in another plot to steal Lucius' mask. I still haven't found anyone willing to buy the first one. Parker stared at her in disbelief. Why would... He waved the question away. But no. Nothing that mundane. I'm thinking something bigger. Something the guild can't just replace. Taylor's mechanical fingers played with the mouth of the tequila bottle as she tried to imagine what he was talking about. Eventually, she just shrugged, grabbed the bottle, and leaned back in her chair. All right, I give up. What's your grand plan? He grinned. We're going to steal the hanging tree. Taylor was silent for a moment, and she let that sink in. Is that so? She finally asked. Shock turning her voice monotone. Yes, ma'am, it is. He looked quite pleased with himself. The way I see it, Jack Dawes been hanging around in front of the governor's mansion for far too long. Fellow deserves a change of scenery, don't you think? Taylor exhaled slowly and took a long pull from her purloined bottle. I'll give you one thing. That's the sort of crime that nobody would ever forget. No clue how you're going to pull it off, though. Oh, I have a plan. Parker tapped the side of his head with his index finger. You ever seen those airships that fly back and forth between Ridley and the outskirts of the city? Taylor tapped her fingers against the table as she eyed Parker, debating whether or not she wanted to be involved in that sort of insanity. It was stupid, reckless, and would probably get them all tossed in the darkest prison the Guild could find. So what's this job pay?
We can't all leave at once, Funchal was saying. We'll send scouting parties to prepare the site. Then we'll start slowly slipping wagon loads of lumber and disguised freikormen down south, under the guise of being homesteaders. That should buy us time to... One of the freikormen entered the room, scanned it for Von Schill, and quickly moved to his side. He held up a finger to pause his conversation with the mercenary he had been speaking with. What is it? The woman's voice was a low whisper. Sir, we've captured an intruder. Says his name is Benny Wolcombe. Claims to have worked with Parker. Von Schill sighed. That damn bandit just refuses to follow instructions. He looked around until he caught sight of Parker speaking to Taylor in hushed voices. Parker, do you know a Benny Wolcombe? Parker looked up. Benny? Yeah, he's all right. Bonchol nodded and turned back to the woman. There's him in, but confiscate his weapons and keep an eye on him. The Freikorpsman saluted and left, returning a few minutes later with a large man wearing a thick cloak made of rat pelts. He was shirtless beneath it, but not unadorned. A gold chain hung from his neck, glittering in the lamplight. Bonchol excused himself from his conversation and approached the man. Make sure to thank Parker for your life. Trying to sneak into the Freikorps HQ usually earns a man a bullet to the back of the head. Well, I appreciate you not doing that. He held his hand out for a handshake, but Von Schill did not reciprocate. Consider yourself unnoticed, Mr. Volkum. The Freikorps aren't big on second chances, and Parker's word only goes so far around here. Von Schill turned and started to walk away from the wretched man. Actually, Benny cleared his throat. I'm not here for Parker. Von Schill paused and turned back to him, suddenly wary. You told my soldiers that you were with Parker. Benny raised a finger as he skulked closer. No, no, no. I said that I knew Parker, and I do. But that ain't why I'm here. Von Schill's hand found its way to the hilt of his pistol. And why might you be here, Mr. Walcombe? He could see his people watching the conversation from a distance. Hannah had moved next to the door and her hands were glowing with a faint light. She nodded that she was ready. I'm a messenger, Benny said. He leaned in conspiratorially, his rancid breath almost causing Von Schill to gag. I'm on behalf of the Brotherhood of the Rat. Von Schill took an involuntary step backward and raised his hand to cover his mouth and nose. My people will see you out. Wait, wait. Benny threw his hands up between them, almost getting himself disintegrated by Hannah. He seemed oblivious to the danger of quick movements in tense situations. I heard about the gang scouting out locations and figured out what's going on. You're all trying to start some new settlement, but you're going to need help. Someone to manage the vermin, keeping you all from getting sick. Monchel motioned for Hannah to stand down. We won't have sewers or anything like that in the settlement. The rat problem is a city problem. It's not, Benny replied, his voice deadly serious. It's really not. It's a problem for everyone. If you don't get us involved early on, it's going to get a lot worse. You've heard about the plague spreading through the southern Q-Zone, right? All it takes is one of them rats getting through to turn your old settlement into a stack of corpses. Despite his loathing for the man, Von Schill could see the logic in what he was saying. After staring the man down for a few moments longer than was strictly necessary, he motioned for Hannah. Speak with Miss Lovelace. The two of you can work out some sort of arrangement. Hannah shot her boss a death glare as he quickly left the rat catcher's side, leaving her to deal with him. Mr. Walcombe, she said, forcing a smile. 
Right this way. Benny grinned, spit on his hand, and used it to slick back his thinning hair. Ain't I the lucky one? One by one, the mercenary leaders left the Freikorps compound. Most of them were somber, as if they realized that their way of life was shifting beneath them. But a few were excited about the chance to distance themselves from the city, and with it, the guild. When the main hall was empty, Onshil sat down in one of the chairs, kicked his legs, one real, one artificial, onto the table, and lit a cigar. He had never been one to doubt himself, but after this evening's meeting, he was starting to wonder whether he was on the right track. He probably could have fought Marlowe to a standstill, maybe pushed for some sort of amnesty as the city's only licensed mercenaries. Hell, he could have just accepted the offer to run the guild guard. The sound of the door opening and footsteps behind him caused von Schill to let out a sigh. Well? Hannah stepped into view and sat down next to him. There was a bottle and two glasses in her hands, and she set them down and poured them each a tall glass of bourbon. I don't think that any will share our plans with the guild. Honestly, the reaction was more positive than I was expecting. Von Schill nodded. If you live long enough on your own, it's because you're able to sense the changing tides. They're hard people. Living with them will be difficult. But hard people are strong. If we can keep them from killing each other, the guild will have to take us seriously. He stared at his cigar, watching the cherry red ember as it slowly began to fade into ash. Threat assessment? The woman slowly rolled her glass between her hands. I don't trust that Walcombe person. He's got some other agenda here. Parker and Leviticus are going to be trouble. And I saw the Chambers girl speaking with someone with a last blossom tattoo. Most likely, the Katanaka are trying to set them up as assassins to take you down once we're established. It fits their M.O. Von Schill chuckled. That's reassuring. They wouldn't be meddling if they didn't think we might pull it off. He shoved his cigar into his mouth, inhaled smoke, and closed his eyes, his mind already planning out defensive formations for the future of the Freikorps. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.